Welcome to the Edinburgh Fringe. They think the fringe is all over. It isn't. No, not yet. There's still a weekend to go. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. The weekend approaches. We're now into the Glastonbury window. The same amount of time left at the Fringe as if you were just starting the legendary music event right now. There's a lot to go, isn't there? It's also probably just as rainy and muddy. He says, with the sun still beaming down on the studio. <laughs> Stop doing comments over the theme tune. Take the music away. Take the music away. Yes. How are you all doing, everybody? The weekend is here. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday left at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, which is almost as good as a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Glastonbury, your favourite long-time, long-day weekend stretching music festival. And we do have music at the Fringe, and there's theatre, and there's spoken word, and there's poetry, and there's stand-up. And there's people dancing on the top of a bus and there's probably somebody out there busking on a halfpenny. Everything and anything here. The arts capital of the world just has one more glorious burst of energy. We've got an interview today uh, with one of those interesting venues taking place from a museum inside a football stadium. But before that, just a, a little pointer if you're up up at the fringe if you're just looking for a few things just to drive in in recommendations one of the great recommendation engines at the fringe is a man called marvin stutter we've had on the podcast a number of times his daily show pick of the fringe brings in um interviews from people around the fringe to talk about the show that they're doing and let everybody know when the show is on it's been running 30 years Merv got there first. But he also has his Pick of the Fringe award, Spirit of the Fringe, and a big gala spectacular with his favourite acts that takes place on Saturday the 26th. Basically the last big day of the Fringe. Yeah, I know Sunday's just as big, but you get the feeling that Saturday night, like the Drifters, that's the time you want to have everybody to go to. So he has invited seven acts back onto his gala spectacular. And if you're looking for a lovely microcosm of the Fringe, these seven acts are like that. On the theatre side, you have the Horizon Showcase with the show Birthmarked. Um, on um, it's satire and comedy of Ian Stone with his show Will Make It Better. Um, well, Ian Stone will make it better. Uh, dark comedy, new writing, musical and opera's Death Suits You. Uh, there's a bit of physical theatre and circus recommended from N.Orms. Um, Norms. Hey, Norm. Sorry, cheers moment. Uh, you've got the dark comedy of Goodbye Uncle Fudgy, uh, which is very much an alternative theatre piece. Al Porter's comedy. He's been up here so many times. This is a work in progress show, but Al tends to be good value for money as well. And A Migrant Son is a piece of storytelling with live music going on as well. Those shows um, are going to be playing at the Gala Spectacular. So if you want to get just a flavour of them, you could go along to that. Or you could just go into the programme and actually go to those shows as well. The seven shows there. If you're looking for anything else, remember the rule of three as we go into this last weekend. Choose something that you know you're going to like, be it somebody off the telly, somebody you've seen countless times at the Fringe. Choose somebody. Choose something that somebody else likes that you've been recommended or you've just asked somebody in the queue or is getting great write-ups in the paper but you wouldn't normally consider it. Do that. And the third one, find a French program. For some reason, they're still printed, uh, even though there's an app and we're all digital. Flip through it at random, stick your finger down and 
go and see whatever your finger has landed on. Um, or scroll down if they've already left the fringe because some people don't stay for the whole time. Some people do the first week, some people do the last week. You know all that. Okay, right then, let's go on to today's interview. What does it mean to bring a legend back to life? That's the challenge faced by Two Halves Production in this delightfully tongue-twisty show, Never Trouble Trouble Until Trouble Troubles You. <laughs> Got that. Writer and performer Paul Beeson joins the podcast once more to talk about the life of Bobby Walker and portraying that legend at the Edinburgh Fringe. He joined Heart of Mobian Football Club in 1896 and became one of the first international national footballing superstars before fading from the public eye. What responsibilities are there with writing an autobiography? How do you find the voice of someone born in the 19th century? And what's it like to perform in a museum full of memories of that legend? Paul talks about all that and more. The show itself is in the Hearts Museum at Tyne Castle Park. Times vary, so it is literally checklistings for details. So over to myself and Paul now. Joining me now on the podcast, I actually get to say join me again on the podcast, but I think this might be the biggest distance between appearances. Paul Beeson from Never Trouble Trouble Till Trouble Troubles You. I gotta tell you, as a as a radio podcast host, I hate that title. <laughs> I mean, I love the rhythm of it, Paul. Yeah, but oh that's <laughs> Yeah, do you know at the beginning of every show our director does a little announcement to the audience in the supporters bar at Timecastle and he just about trips over the title of the show every single night. I mean, it, it does it does sound like it's something out of West Side Story. Yes. Well, the Never Trouble Trouble Till Trouble Troubles You um, was actually Bobby Walker's mantra. That's the kind of the phrase that he lived his life by. He was a very easygoing person. So when we were doing our research and that came up, it just seemed like it is a bit of a wordy title, but it sums up Bobby Walker's life in one albeit not very succinct sentence. <laughs> and this is the show. It is, it's a bi- bio- biographical show. It's getting near the end of the fringe, folks, uh, about yeah. Bobby Walker, a name that I didn't recognise. But there again, it's, it's Scottish sports, and I don't really do Scottish sports. He was the superstar footballer of his day, or at least one of them. Um, he was playing for Hearts um, from the sort of late 1800s, 1896, um, up until 1913. So he retired just before uh, war broke out, really. Hearts being one of the Um, big Edinburgh football teams. Yes, yes. So um, now at the time, um, he was considered one of the best players in Europe. Um, He had a style of football named after him. So people would, you know, talk about his style of football as walkerism. Um, he invented the body swerve, which is part and parcel of today's game. You see players doing little tricks and flips. He was doing all that over 100 years ago, and nobody had seen anything like it at the time. Um, and he was Scotland's most capped player. Um, he was Hearts' top goal scorer. Um, and then after he retired, he um, sort of descended into alcoholism, sadly. But it's a problem that's kind of all too familiar with football players. If you look at sort of more recent times, people like George Best, uh, Paul Gascoigne's another example, like absolute geniuses on the football field. 
um, but they like a drink and they're, you know, they're very popular, very charming people and everybody wants to be the person that has a drink with you. And that kind of then, after the football left, you had nothing else to, to really kind of fill that adulation and that's where the alcohol comes in. So it's a bit of a tragic story in many ways, but we try to look at the positives more than anything. I always find it interesting what historical figures become really historic because I'd assumed that Bobby is known amongst Hearts fans, but in the wider context of things, I mean, I mentioned there earlier that, that I don't really do British sports, Scottish sports, but if you look at like American baseball, you know, the names back from the late 1900s, the early 20th century are revered. You don't really have oh, totally. that. You don't really have that no. in Scotland. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, I know nothing really about baseball, but I know who Babe Ruth is. Do you know what I mean? It's like one of those names that just evokes that kind of, that, that legendary status of that game. Um, or like when I was a kid, um, uh, the French, you know, the American football player, William Perry. Is that was his name? Yeah, played for, I'm going to say he played for Chicago, but I could well be wrong. We will get yeah. letters on that. Comments. We will get comments <laughs> on that. But nobody gets letters yeah. on that. But, you know, like, cause I never I never had the opportunity to watch American sports, really, because, you know, growing up in Scotland, we only had, like, you know, four channels when I was wee. Um, and never really until until 11 p.m. and then they all switched off. Yes, yeah, you got the national anthem at the end of the BBC, didn't you? Um, but I knew who these people were. Now, and the funny thing is, so at Tynecastle Park now, we've got two big um, screens at either end of the stadium. So, uh, you know, the scores and the timer and things like are up on those during the matches. But before the match and at halftime, they advertise things on it and they put our show information up before the show, uh, before the games um, at the start of the season there. And a friend of mine was at the game and he said the guy standing in front of him turned round to his mate and went, who's Bobby Walker? Never heard of him. And this is a Hearts fan who's a season ticket holder who doesn't know who he is. And he was such an important part of the the early years of the football club. Um, that's partly why we wanted to do the stories, to try and get his story out there for a, a bigger audience, because he's such an important figure at the football club. His story deserves to be more widely known, I guess. But it's an interesting thing, like you say. Um, we don't seem to have that same reverence over players from that era. Uh, certainly in Scottish football, it seems to be a bit later where your your legends, the fifties, fifties and sixties, where your proper legends that that we still talk about today come in. Yeah, but so it's the, a funny thing. The earliest one I can think of is is, is Baxter, but again, that's only still the sixties. We're we're talking with we're walking going back the same amount yeah. of time again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny because we've done so. This is our third show at Tyne Castle. Because uh, you, you actually do it in the stadium. This is a theatre show, but it's not in a theatre. Yes, yes. So this this particular one we perform in the Hart Midlothian Museum. So it's quite a small, intimate space. The great thing is, though, so we've, we've, kind of, we've got the stage set up like it's Bobby Walker's living room. Uh, and the audience are on three sides of the museum. So you feel like you're right in that sitting room, living room with him and his mum. But there's a cabinet behind one of the rows of audience members that has Bobby Walker's Scotland shirt from 190-whatever it is, I can't remember. It's got one of his Scotland caps from 1901 
sitting right there. So the great thing about doing it in the museum is that we're telling this historical story, but you've actually you're actually surrounded by the history of the club as well, not just the club in general, but that particular player. Uh, and the guy uh, Davy Allen, who runs the museum, um, there's plenty of stuff that's not on display. So after the show one night, he just went into a cupboard and pulled out a little Scotland top on a hanger. It was like Bobby Walker wore this in 1903, and everybody was getting their photo taken with a football shirt at the end of it. Um, and it's just it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Um, but yeah, so doing doing the shows at the stadium. Um, and all three shows have been historical in nature. So the first one we did was A War of Two Halves, which was about the Hearts players who volunteered to fight in the First World War. Um, and then we did a play called Sweet FA, which was about a women's football team. Um, and they worked in a factory on Fountain Bridge. And when all the men went off to war, they, they were sort of making welly boots for the war effort in this rubber factory. And they started a football team. Now, in both of those plays, our research, Bobby Walker's name came up quite frequently. So he retired in 1913, but he was still very much part of the fabric of Hearts when these young lads who would then end up going to war were coming into the Hearts team. Um, and then he actually refereed a ladies' match at Tynecastle in 1921, just before women's football was banned. He was a big supporter of the women's game. Um, so like his name has cropped up, and then when it came to doing a third play, it's like, well, what about Bobby Walker? We know a little bit about him. And it just kind of went from there, really. What sort of responsibility do you feel as the writer of this piece to, I mean, you're bringing back somebody from history of yeah. which there is a record, but there's there's not an impression. There's yeah. there's not a flavour to him anywhere. You're You're working with... You're working with a blank piece of paper that's absolutely full of facts. It's we've always been very, very careful about um, any of the plays that we've done. Bearing so the first one was about the, like I said, the the Hearts players who joined McCray's battalion, um, and the names of those guys are, you know, a very important part. Well, those guys are an important part of the club. So when we were bringing them to life, it was like we have to treat this with the utmost respect, not just because, you know, because we want to honour their story and do them justice. Um, but, you know, they were local guys, a lot of them. They still have family members that live in and around Edinburgh. Um, if somebody, you know, you've got to put yourself in a, an ancestor's shoes and go, well, if, if one of them was to come and see this, what sort of impression would you want them to take away? And if you think about it from that angle, so we, so we approached everything very, very delicately. And that is just something that has then continued into our work. The The thing about Bobby Walker is, for all his um, footballing legends um, and you know the, the goals he scored and the caps he won, the appearances he made, the, the alcohol was a big factor in his life. And we didn't want to shy away from it because we're trying to tell the, the proper true story of the of the man and not just the player. It's trying to deal with that sensitively. And the way that we kind of do it, like the other problem was, because when you start 
off with his life story. If you do it all chronologically, you start off with him like hitting the peak of, of his football career and then it all gradually just goes downhill until he died when he was 51. And he had a really quite tragic end. Um, I won't spoil anything in case anybody out there wants to come along and see it, but it wasn't a very um, happy ending for him and his family. And if you do it chronologically, you're like, well, we can't, we can't end on that. It's such a downer, you know? And um, so we, we get around it slightly and we end on a high, but we don't shy away from telling the truth. But, you know, we, we, we try to do it in as sensitive a manner as possible. Um, and, and another good thing is, like, through our research, we actually found um, a book uh, about his life that um, that you can buy still. It's a really interesting book, loads of statistics about Bobby in it. But he serialised his life in a newspaper not long before he, not long after he retired. So you've actually got little stories there that are written in his own words, or sort of that have been, you know, he's dictated to a reporter. So you get a little bit of a flavour for how he talked, and a little bit of a, you know, like there's stories about him being charming and quite softly spoken and uh, all that. So that is basically all you've got to go on as an actor as well. And as a writer, it's like... Because so, you are playing the role of Bobby in the show. I am, yes. So how yeah. useful is it to have, knowing that you have, even though it's just a written word, because I'm assuming there's no audio or film recordings where you can actually hear him, having those no. little words... Is that enough for you to build Bobby yourself? How much how much of you have you had to bring to this because there's so little out there? Yeah, I mean a fair bit. I, I say really. that, but that's the same for most <laughs> plays. If you do Macbeth, all you've got is the text of Macbeth. Yes. <laughs> um I, I get but then if you if you're doing Macbeth, you've also got a, a myriad of other performances that you can look at, you can draw and you can choose to ignore if they're not particularly good. Uh, because this is brand new, we literally start with a blank slate. Um, and in many ways, that's good because you don't have anything to compare it to, you know. Um, so, what? because what we do know about Bobby, especially when it came to the writing, you got a little flavour for the kind of, some of the little phrases he would say. So we've kind of dropped some of them into, into the dialogue a little bit. Uh, we know that he was born and raised in Gorgie, and he lived in Gorgie most of his life until... Um, he was a little bit older. He moved out to Lone Head because he bought a pub out there, uh, the Forester's Arms, where his family worked. And then he moved to Musselburgh because he took over the ship in. And then he ended up in Stockbridge. But for most of his life, he was in Gorgie. and was brought up on Gorgie Roads in various different houses or flats. So I just channeled my inner Gorgie, really. I was like, what, what would a, a lad who's grown up in Gorgie sound like? And, you know, it's a little bit rougher than, than my own accent, but that's just the kind of, that was a starting point. Uh, I enjoy a, a drink to be social, so I have been intoxicated, so you can draw on that for those particular scenes. Um, so there's there's a lot, uh, and we, we tend to focus quite a lot on his relationship with his mum. His mum was a hugely important figure in his life. Um Apart from you know raising him and supporting him and everything he did, she sort of managed his career. She would argue with the directors every time the contract was up to try and get him a pay rise and stuff. She was quite a savvy, hard-headed little woman. Um, so and you know and we all 
have a mum as well. I mean, that's something that people can really relate to. Um, it doesn't matter what your relationship is like with your mum. We all have one, you know, and you can watch our play and either be touched by their relationship or, you know, sort of feel remorseful because you don't have that kind of relationship. But either way, it, it, gauges a, it gains a reaction from the audience. There we go. Never trouble trouble till trouble troubles you. Till trouble tr Yeah, no, I did. I did. You got it right. Yay. Perfect. Uh, you just you just put it in your head and sing it like like it's a Cole Porter song and, and you're fine. You're there. Where can people get in to see some of the final performances of this? Okay, so Never Trouble Trouble is on at Tynecastle Park at the Hearts Museum. You can get tickets through the Edinburgh Fringe website, or if there's none available there, you can get them through Universe, which is the Heart Midlothian ticket site. Um, so you've got two options um, to get tickets there. So if one is sold out, check out the other one as well. Uh, Paul, um, you've come a long way since we did the interview in 2005 for the oh, Beginner's yeah. Guide to the Fringe. You'll be glad to know we've got it now so we can have a listen. No, no, I haven't. No. <laughs> it's probably in the archive somewhere. I'm, I I, might just go out and dig it out and play it in the off-season. Oh, that's hilarious. That that would be hilarious to listen, but I've not listened to that for years. Might be hilarious oh, for my. you. I, I just go back and go, shouldn't have asked that, shouldn't have asked that, shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> but as we were just happy to do our first podcast, you and we were delighted as young performers to do that. It was 2005. I was delighted people knew what a podcast was back in 2005. <laughs> uh, so, the old podcast, we may well bring back, but for those of you listening on the podcast, keep checking the feeds throughout uh, September, October, November, as we do actually go back into the archive to dig out some of those older interviews to find out what happened to the big names now back when they were small uh, which we've kind of done here Paul and uh, once more 18 years later thanks for your time enjoy the fringe and see you soon nice to speak to you again buddy Paul Beeson there from Two Halves Production. The show itself, Tyne Castle Park, Hearts Museum, Times Vary. Check your listings for details. Links back at our website, edmarfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. And yes, as mentioned there uh, with Paul, as the Fringe comes to an end, the podcast may not be going away. Last year, we carried on exploring our archive of interviews since we started doing this whole shebang back in 2005. And I suspect we're going to carry on doing that once we get into September. September. As always, link, like, love, share and subscribe for the podcast to get all the interviews we've already done, all the interviews we're going to do in the future, the historical archive and whenever the Fringe gets around to coming to Edinburgh in 2024. But for now, thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend at the Fringe or enjoy your weekend wherever you are. Go find something artistic, theatre, comedy, spoken word, poetry. It's a wonderful world to explore of memories, emotions, music, melodies and everything else in between that starts with all the letters of the alphabet. I'm yours, Benz. Ta-ra for now. You've been listening to the Edinburgh Fringe Show, hosted by you and Spence. Produced by The Podcast Corner. Listen to more from The Fringe at edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Yeah.